You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Man. Hey, welcome to the middle of the week. Very sunny Wednesday. Still chilly, and next week it's going to get darn right cold. But right now, we're just talking about Wednesday, talking some basketball. It's Matt, Lars, Wyatt. Lars, how are you feeling today? Ah, I'm doing great, doing great. Good night of rest. Uh, watched the movie Gravity last night with uh, Sandra Bullock, and wow, she just puts on a great performance. I can't believe I haven't really watched that movie uh, in detail. George Clooney is also really good. It's a, it's a really good flick, really good flick. It's the way you said that. It sounded like you watched the movie with Sandra Bullock. No, so, so, yeah. Uh, you wish, you wish. Yeah, Sandra uh, Bullock uh, was not uh, in my bedroom watching the movie with me. Uh, Charlotte, 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 Charlotte was in the bedroom with me. Oh, well, now everybody. My lovely, my lovely uh, eight-pound dog, you know. Yeah, <laughs> my fruit fruit I'm, I'm a big Sandra Bullock fan. She has a lot of ties to Birmingham, Alabama, too. Um, you know, her dad lives here, so anyway, I didn't know that. that. Uh, yeah, her uh, uncle is a guy named Jess Bullock who owned a very, very successful ad agency. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story as long as it's kind of a slow day. Um, they both were sitting in a little bar called J Rags down on uh, Southside uh, Lakeview. And I walked in, I said, Hey, and Jess said, Hey, come on over, have a drink, and they introduced me to. Sandra Bullock's husband. And for the next hour, I proceeded to try and get her cell number. <laughs> How did that work out for you? Zero. <laughs> I, I did so very kiddingly. But I've also, he also told me when we were sitting there, Sandra Bullock won't do anything above a, what do they call it now? A, a mature. She, uh, she won't do movies with certain language and you know and certain exposure. Uh, I've always thought that was pretty cool. So I, I had no idea we were going to start the show with Sandra you know, Bullock in your what, bedroom. One day, yeah. Many years ago, I was on a cross-country flight from uh, L.A. to New York, uh, and I'd gotten bumped up to first class, and I ended up sitting next to Andy McDowell, the actress, and uh, I'm not kidding. She Lots cried. of hair. She cried the entire way, and the uh, you know I, I tried to like be very gently to say, "Can I help you with anything?" And then she just was like, "No, no," and I you know just just left her alone. But it was really bizarre. She was, she was she was really upset about something, um, and you don't see a public figure be that emotional. But maybe she felt comfortable because it was in first class and you know somewhat private, but. I guess not anymore. <laughs> so wow, never heard that one, Lars. And we yeah. swapped many a yarn. Um, yeah, we have swapped many a yarn. Um, have you have you sat have you uh, sat close to anyone famous on a flight before? Oh, Gary Sanders, voice of the UAV Blazers. Yeah. Um, no, not like that. Um, I'm not in the same arena as that story. That was pretty cool. Then uh, just uh, brush uh, with greatness, they call it, Lars. <laughs> well, last week uh, when I was on, I was flying on uh, American, and luckily got bumped to first, and ended up sitting next to a pilot. And uh, man, it was just fascinating uh, the stuff he was telling me. And he said, you know, you're more likely to uh, crash on takeoff, but you're more likely to 
survive that crash than you are if you crash on landing. <laughs> so, and then he was like, yeah, you know the whole life jacket thing when you're over the Pacific Ocean? <laughs> you don't need the life jacket. If you're going down, we're going down. Trust me, you won't need a life jacket. <laughs> and I was just shocked at his uh, forthrightedness. <laughs> well, you know, I, the, the thing about the life preservers, I kind of figured out. Now, the landing and takeoff thing and, and damage and, and life loss there, I didn't really think about it. But, it uh, but, but, the, but the safety record is just uh, amazing uh, for uh, American commercial aviation. And he also told me, this was interesting too, we were coming into Atlanta and it was at night and uh, behind us there were six planes lined up right to, to land right after us and so right when we landed we kind of turned and we could see the six planes and he said you know all those planes are three miles apart so that last six one was 18 miles away and i never would have realized that but the when the planes approach the runway they slow to an extent that the plane behind them gets to be about a mile and a half to a mile uh behind the the plane in front but it's a it's a very sort of uh, you know regimented system, obviously that he they go through, and he absolutely hates flying. He said into uh, Washington, uh, Reagan National, and uh, can't stand O'Hare. Said Atlanta's was just really one of the best airports for for pilots, and uh, said San Francisco can be tough. LaGuardia is really tough, but uh, anyway, enough travel stuff uh, <laughs> to get this show way to started. Start the show, no. yeah. I mean, hey, I can tell you, you know, you and I have spent so much of our life on the road. Like you and I could just talk travel stories for days. And I, I don't know if listeners find it interesting or not, but I do just because it's so part of my life. And it's always interesting whenever you take an extended trip, a, a work trip, say like four days, five days, whatever. On In my travels, it's been my experience that something new happens every single time. And it's not necessarily a good thing, right? Like right. <laughs> sitting in first class and a guy cutting his toenails or something right next to you. Ew. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, those are fun times. But um, yeah. I haven't had many gross experiences like that. I've been very, very fortunate. In fact, I think it's probably been more the opposite. But anyway, enough Sandra Bullock and travel talk to start the show. <laughs> Um, last night, Alabama victorious, played very, very well there at Coleman Coliseum, defeating South Carolina 74-47. Here's a stat for you. Alabama talking defense, wanting to play great defense. In the second half, Alabama held South Carolina at 18 points. 18 in 20 minutes. Well, maybe Nate Oates has gotten them, gotten them going as far as defending. Yeah, um, really starting to like this Auburn team, too. Texas A&M is like trying to put a cat in its container. They're going to fight you so hard, and they're just, they're good. I love Buzz. Uh, he's an odd guy, but he's a heck of a basketball coach. And um, Auburn pretty much took them out, too, 66 to 55. So, Right now, both of the, our representatives from the state of Alabama in the Southeastern Conference are 2-0 and and looking good. Yeah, I thought Alabama, um, you know, they, they came out really slow. And NATO said after the game, you know, we weren't really ready to play. 
uh, had turnovers in four of Alabama's first five possessions. South Carolina scores 13 pretty quick points. But then from then on, it was just Alabama really dominated. And look, we know that Mark Sears is the leader of this team. But uh, last night, he was just spectacular. He's, he's Alabama's only returning starter. We know that. And we knew that he was going to have to become the, the leader of this team. And he was going to have to become, you know, if not the go-to scorer, he's going he's gonna to have to increase his, his scoring output so far. Wow. I mean, he has absolutely exceeded all expectations. Currently leads the conference, averaging 20.2 a game. Last night, scored 31 on 10 of 13 shooting, six rebounds, three assists, three steals, and uh, was almost uh, equally impressive. Aaron Estrada. He's really starting to hit his groove, I think, and find his comfort level. Um, looked great from uh, really all over the court. Scored 17. Uh, I think he's sort of locked up that 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 second backcourt position. And, uh, you know, not that it was in danger of losing it. But, uh, yeah, so Estrada, 17 points, seven rebounds, two steals. And uh, South Carolina's leading scorer, uh, Mechie Johnson, who's coming in at 18 a game. In the second half, Alabama's defense really just absolutely put him in a vice. And uh, he was 3 of 11 for shooting in the second half. And, uh, you know, Nate Oates always talks about the importance of defense, 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 even though we think of Alabama as an offensive first type of team. But their defense was just uh, outstanding last night, Matt. All right, you're listening to Big News Sports. We'll be right back. Got a lot more to get to. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today around 50. Clear tonight, the low 35. Tomorrow, partially sunny and warmer, the high 59. Friday, cloudy and windy with rain and thunderstorms. Storms on Friday. Friday could be severe, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Why, Lars and Matt are with you. 
just to finish up talking a little bit about Alabama and Auburn basketball, Tigers defeated A&M. That was at Neville Arena by a score of 66 to 55. I think Johnson led the way. He had 22. But um, Auburn and Alabama both 2-0. and And I think UAB plays, and they're 2-0 and in the American Conference. So this is the way it was in the 80s all the time. I don't know that it will last, but it sure was fun covering a lot of basketball back then. And you had very delightful, colorful characters at side court with Sonny Wimp and Gene Bartow. So that was a lot of fun. Just uh, decided to look in the rearview mirror for a few minutes there, Lars. Um, any other notes or observations on Alabama-Auburn basketball? Well, I do have a note uh, on college basketball in general. Uh, the, the Really, the lead here, Matt, Nebraska Nebraska beat number one Purdue, 88-72. Wasn't even close. Clobbered them. Nebraska's first win over the top-ranked team in the country since 1982. What? <laughs> yeah, 1982. First time. And in Fred Hoiberg, the mayor, finally has things going the right way in Lincoln. Nebraska's 13-3 and overall, 3-2 and in the Big Ten. Uh, they just were on fire from beyond three, uh, hitting 14 shots, hitting 14 threes. And uh, Purdue had been on top of the polls for four straight weeks. And, uh, you know, the first time they lost in Nebraska since 2019, and uh, afterward, the, the fans stormed the floor. And Matt, I'm just telling you, it was scary again. Scary again. The Purdue's coach said somebody is going to get hurt or worse after this. And look, these are this is, these are my people, Nebraska, man. But you get so expand. Students get so excited. It's just, uh, it's like a mob mentality. And if you fall down and you and you can't get up, you can easily get trampled to death. I mean, or, or trampled, maybe not to death, but hopefully you wouldn't. It certainly could happen. Uh, but these, these storming of the floors has just got to stop. And we've, we've talked about this a lot, Matt. I just, I don't know what the best thing to do is. If you just have a ton of security on, I mean, you know, you can put a little yellow rope around around the fans. I, I just, I don't know what the answer is for college basketball. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I have this thought. First of all, no, first of all, we'll address the issue of safety, but I will say this. Since 1982, that's kind of amazing in its own right. But beating Purdue, I don't care where you're playing. That's a pretty big deal for all the Cornhusker fans. Yeah. But to me, basketball and rushing the field and football are two totally, not totally different, but they're very different. And it's based on, my opinion, is on, on space. Because you got a lot more crowd coming down a lot faster in basketball. You're not jumping over fences and running out on the field. And then even if there are just thousands of people, they're spread out over a football field. You got thousands of people spread out over a basketball floor. I think the danger factor, hey, Charlotte, the danger yeah, factor is Charlotte incredibly doesn't like high. Yeah. She doesn't like rushing the court either. Um, but I don't know what you do. I think it's easier to solve the issue 
in football because you can just spread a lot of security and, as you said, put horses out there. You can't do that on a basketball court. And I will I don't say know too, how to approach uh, the situation on a basketball I, court. I apologize for my dog. Uh, I swear, uh, my neighbor knows I'm doing the show right now, and he'll just bring his dogs out and put them in my front yard um, as a joke to me. Ha ha. But uh, Matt Rule, Nebraska's head coach, he also rushed the floor with his daughter after uh-huh. the buzzer sounded. And, uh, you know, book. no, it, it, it's not because it's just. Uh, I just take this stuff seriously because I've been in the middle of it and it's uh, it can be really frightening, especially when I was about 11 years old. I, I've talked about this a lot. I was on uh, when fans stormed the field in, in at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln after beating Oklahoma. Um, I got knocked down and I thought for sure I got separated from my older brother and a Nebraska player. I was on the ground and a Nebraska player kind of jumped on top of me and protected me, right? He was on like his elbows and knees and just as the fans were running by. And to this day, I I swear he may have saved my life. And so, and I've never written about this. Maybe I should because, or maybe we should make this like a cause for this show because I worry. I really do worry that um, somebody is going to get hurt in a serious way or even worse because it's just chaos out there it's absolute chaos yeah that's a that's a bad look for matt rule but um uh, anyway you're right it has to be addressed i know they're talking about it but it's time to do something about it at least take a stab at it you're always welcome to join big noon sports via the phone at 205-342-9904 you can also uh, message us on our app, Tide 100.9. Let's go to the phones. Tom has joined Big Noon Sports on this Wednesday. How you doing, Tom? Hey, I'm good. Hey, I know it's the end of football season, and I know the Saban rumors get spread like wildfire, and I would say probably 95% of them that you hear are false or, you know, just hearsay. So I've got one. I'm not saying that I know what I'm talking about. I just know that. I've got a good friend that uh, works with the Alabama team doctor, Lyle Kane. Uh, I was told that uh, Saban was coming in today from Orlando and was wanting to schedule an emergency meeting this evening, and he wanted his attorneys present. So I'm just curious to know if y'all heard anything about that, and could that be a sign of his retirement? Well, no, I haven't heard I've, anything like that. I'll, I'll say this. I have gotten five texts probably in the last five minutes concerning this. And yes. uh, I, I don't know anything about it other than yep. it is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's buzzing. And I, I honestly, I, I can't say anything other than the fact that I have received texts that says, you know, basically each one says the same thing got a reliable source is that there's a mandatory meeting at Alabama today. Right. So okay. I, I, I don't know. That's all I can do is just tell you exactly, exactly what I just did yeah. is that I'm getting texts and I was wondering if you're going to bring this up because, 
this is really strange. I got to say, I, I, I can't remember this ever happening of getting so many right. texts at the same time. Uh, but I can't the believe the that I can't that. believe that Nick Saban would be telling the team that he's, that he's retiring. But I, 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 I don't know. I, like I said, yeah. I don't Why have any information. Why would you do this so suddenly? I, mean, I just, I just, just don't have any information. That doesn't other sound than, like Nick Saban. No, it, it doesn't. And I, I again, I think no. it's it's strange that I've uh, that my my phone is that it's just blow. I got two more since we've been talking. Well, maybe Tom's um, just broken the story of the decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And the, well, the reason yeah, I say this is because I get a lot of information from this individual, and it's normally concerning private stuff, concerning you know injuries of players, mm. which I never ever comment on because there's really no reason to do so. And there's not been a time that he was wrong. Oh. So that's well, why we I'm, do. According to your sources, the meeting has been called and it's been labeled an emergency meeting, but the subject is yet to be determined. Correct. I, what I've been told, it's a mandatory meeting. But right. I, I, but again, I, I, I can't. Like, if I were to, I couldn't write this. Right, in in good faith, I, I'm only talking about it because I can explain exactly uh, where I'm getting the information. That's from just text messages from people who uh, who I know. I got to say though, none of them are reporters, so um, you know, take it okay. for what it's worth. But it's certainly something worth monitoring here in the next few hours. And uh, if you see Nick Saban trending on Twitter anytime soon. Um, they should pay attention. Okay. Appreciate it, guys. No, thank you, Tom. Well, it's really hard to speculate on something like that, not knowing the topic. Um, the the term that's been used, emergency and mandatory meetings, they are of great concern. Um, but this would not be in, in Nick Saban's MO to walk in there and say, I'm leaving. Um, yeah, I would think he would do this in a very prepared way. Um, that's just that's not his way to do things. Now, yeah, I wouldn't think he would subject? be I, I guess flying so. up from Orlando. I, I just uh, has he been in Jupiter? Uh, it seems like he'd fly uh, out of Tampa. Yeah, isn't Jupiter? Jupiter's on the Gulf Coast. Yeah, it's on the Gulf side. Yeah. Mm. Ah. We have a new topic on what was normally going to start as a slow day. All right, you're listening to Big Noon Sports coming up. We'll ask another guy that certainly is uh, in the loop when it comes to the University of Alabama football, and that's Wes Neighbors. He's um, all-SEC center, now hosts a very, very popular show up in North Alabama in Huntsville. Wes will be with us next on Big Noon Sports, brought to you in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build 
build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, it's Lars and Matt. Wyatt Fulton is at the controls. Wes Neighbors is standing by. I must correct myself, and I'm embarrassed because I normally pride myself with uh, knowledge of U.S. geography. Jupiter is on the Atlantic side of the Florida Peninsula. His old place, I believe, was on the Gulf side, just it south was. of Tampa. Yes. And Jupiter is north of Fort Lauderdale and very much south of Daytona. But that's a place where Tiger Woods and now Nick Saban, all those places, all those guys live. But I also think that uh, I the think biggest airport that would be nearby to fly out of there, unless you went to Miami, I think you could certainly go to Oregon, I mean to Orlando. I would think there would be a little private FBO uh, that you well, that I would. He think would that's he's, he's not flying commercial. Nick's not flying um, on America. I, I, I think Only Tom Lars Br- and Matt do that. Yeah. Isn't it like a little island that he's on, like a little peninsula? I, I'm not sure, but I think Tom Brady is, is building a house there uh, as well. Or maybe was, Giselle did. It was a little thin island when he lived um uh, like so what was that? Oh man, hey, we let's talk, bring uh, Gas Gasparilla, Gasparilla. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, but that island was like a mile wide and ten miles long, or something like that. West neighbors would know since he flies in and out of those places on his private jet on a regular basis. Hey, Wes, it's uh, Matt Lars, man. How are you? I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Good. Do you know where Jupiter, Florida is? Yeah, it's uh, really um, right across from. He was at Boca Grande. It was an island you saw, y'all were talking about. Yeah. Oh, and right. it's right across from there on the other side. But, you know, Boca Grande got destroyed in the hurricane. Yeah. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. He didn't call and ask me, so I, I don't know. <laughs> well, um, and I know you have a show of your own and stories that you follow, but uh, evidently the social media world's blowing up that Nick Saban's called some kind of meeting tonight in Tuscaloosa. Have you heard that? And Do you have any information to share with us? Uh, I have not, um, but I'd be shocked if it's for him to retire. Me too. Be Maybe shocked. I mean, uh, he might he might uh, put a time on on the on the thing. You know, he might be saying, "Hey, I'll I'll touch one more, two more years," but I don't have any information about that. But yeah, I I heard it was yesterday, so um, no. I, I haven't heard it from anybody that I would think would absolutely know what's going on though no i i haven't either but i i have gotten several text messages messages about it um yeah that's interesting so uh wes let's just sort of go back to alabama's season in general um a lot of people 
in the media and fans believe it was Nick Saban's best coaching job because uh, clearly this was an imperfect team, but he still got them to the college football semifinals. Uh, just your thoughts on the coaching job of Nick Saban this year. Well, I mean, so I, I said publicly after the South Florida game, everybody was freaking out kind of. I, I, I just know having played, it's it's not much difference from winning by two touchdowns and getting beat by three or four points. You know, it's really usually nothing, two or three plays at the most. And, and I haven't watched the game. I musingly said that I wouldn't be surprised, you know, What's proven this whole time that he's been coaching is a lot of people playing checkers, talking about checkers, and Nick Nick Saban plays chess. And I believe, and I said at the time, and it kind of looks, you look back, that he he knew his team was fractured on who should be quarterback. The fan base was obviously fractured, as they normally are, on who should be quarterback. But after that game... There wasn't a player, a coach, or a fan that didn't think Jalen Milrow should be the quarterback. And I think it brought everybody together. And you just started watching that team get better. Uh, they put Jalen Robertson at right guard. He made a big difference. Not He made a lot of mistakes. He's a young player. That's going to happen. It was his the way he played the game, the way he was downfield hitting people, his energy level. That's contagious. And, it, you know, I, I try to have a positive, good energy level when I play because I wanted to be that to be contagious. You know, I love contact. He likes contact. That is contagious. People. It was the difference in the offensive line started getting better. And, and they, they, they at the end of the year against Georgia, watch them guys knocking those guys off the ball. I mean, they're knocking people back two, three yards. And, and really should have had bigger plays than we had, um, I thought, from the, the way they blocked. I mean, it, and didn't run the ball enough against Michigan because when we did, we had success and, and thought we got away from that in the fourth quarter. And, and it might, you know, could have been the difference in the game. I don't know. Uh, it's easy to second-guess people, right? Oh, yeah, especially from your den. Um, or yeah, your <laughs> Yeah, I'm an expert in my den, by the way. Well, you have a lot more expertise than any of us. But, Wes, uh, you have probably answered this question, I guess, 50 to 100 times. But I'm going to ask it again because you played the position. You were a center and a darn good one, I might add. But you never had to operate. I don't remember you ever having to snap into a shotgun formation. Was your quarterback? Well, we had some, but not, not, not every play. And I hated it, to be honest with you. What was um, difficult about it? What 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 makes that such a such a task? Well, because you're playing against somebody really good, is being effective blocking him, um, and having to. I mean, I, I guess if you did it every day, right, that you get used to it. But um, man, you just can't. You got to snap then step when you're um, firing off the ball. On um, when a guy under center, you can step and snap at the same time, and that's the biggest difference. So the guy is a half a step or a full step ahead of you, and it makes it hard to block. I mean, if they get penetration on you, you know, and that, and, and so you can't be quiet as if you need a double team 
And that's what, and the, you know, the guy he was playing against Michigan, one of the best in the country. He was really good. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of Washington, it, too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they, yeah. They, they, well, they, that right tackle never got out of his stance a couple of times. I mean, so my understanding is in the NFL now, they do a silent count. Okay. So, um, like in a bad snap against, but you know, uh, it was pretty clear that the Auburn safety ran up, and started clapping, and it should have been a penalty. Uh, he came up in the line. If you watch the tape, he comes up right and starts clapping, and then he snaps the ball because you're doing it off the clap. What everybody else like in the NFL does with crowd noise is, is that silent count with the guard does his arm and taps the center and does his arm, taps the center, and they snap it like that. But, and, and, and there's no cadence. Everybody's watching the ball instead of just going on the snap, which can get, I mean, in, in, in loud atmospheres, I mean, you can't hear yourself. You can't hear anybody talking. I don't know how they hear the clap, but they supposedly do. And I think that it had been a lot better, but I don't think everybody, the quarterback was com- comfortable with a silent count for whatever reason. So, because he has to kind of watch the the uh, guy doing the count, too, to see where the ball's coming. Um, but I think that was, it was a combination of um, playing with Bryce Young, who can catch any snap, because he's ninja, and then playing with a young, tall quarterback that, that uh, is very, very fast, very, very athletic, kind of a little stiff. And then snapping the ball when he's not ready um, because of uh, um, people on the other side clapping, which is supposed to be a penalty, but it's not called very much, obviously. They didn't call it then. I heard Michigan was hitting their pads, you know, their leg on their pad. Um, I haven't seen that on film. I did see the Auburn thing on film, though. So it's just it's kind of a combination of a lot of things. Uh, but it's no no question it affected the game. Uh, it's, can't, uh, I just don't think it was all the center's fault. No, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, and I, but and I hate it, that he left. It, it was an amazing stat. I think it was according to Pro Football Focus that of the 62 or 63 snaps that Alabama had, something like 42, according to Pro Football Focus, were off target. And on that last play, the last snap uh, back, and uh, Milrow has to go down for it. In your estimation, if he catches that snap clean, does he score? Because it, it, it just, if you just look at the the, I the don't think so, it, no. If you, watch the, you don't think yeah, so? Yeah, I watched it today. Uh, so it's like they had the perfect play called for what we ran. Watch the hard corner come in. That play was supposed to go outside the tackle. You watch Roberts pull. It's supposed to be a kind of a, a roll-up, come behind him type thing. The, the, and the, uh, the, the corner safety or somebody outside linebacker comes in hard. Um, if he breaks a tackle, does he have a better chance to break a tackle? Maybe, but I can't say it's just a snap. The right tackle got knocked in the damn backfield, too. Yeah, Latham so, got destroyed on uh, that. Yeah, Destroyed. I mean, you can't, that cannot happen. It cannot happen. And and so, um, 
you know, I, this game could have been won in so many things. I mean, you, on the third and eight, I guess, we have a tight end that's dragging across the middle. It's just an easy little throw. They rush six. We pick everybody up, and then and, and instead of throwing it to the, the to the check down, which is maybe a touchdown, 84, it gets the ball. I mean, there's so many one plays you can go back. The fumble was the biggest play in the game, turned the game around, in my mind. Um, you know, there's just so many little things. And this team didn't play very well and still almost won the game. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of talent. They had a chance to win the game, and they played as bad as they did against Auburn, in my mind. I mean, there's just so many mistakes and penalties at the wrong time um, that it's, you know, uh, it's amazing we were in the game. And really, uh, if we score on that third and eight or even come down and make it a two-score game when we fumble, that game's over. It just is. They're not going to score twice. Not because the, the quarterback couldn't throw it downfield. He, threw, he completed one pass to receivers. You know, you go to the defensive side, and, and you know, we can't cover the back out of the backfield the whole game. So, hey, Wes, okay. this, is really, this is really good stuff. You know the business. We got to get a break in. Can you hang on and spend another five, ten minutes with us, or are you on your way to a meeting? No, sure, sure, sure. All right. I can West Neighbors. All right, we'll continue on Big Noon Sports. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. It's Gary Harris coming up Thursday morning on my show. We are jam-packed beginning at 9 a.m. The Coach Ellis Johnson will recap the college football season. Plus, the Orlando Ledbetter, Falcons beat writer for the AJC.com, talks about the firing of Arthur Smith and who the next head coach might be in Atlanta. All that and more Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Trust your Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny this afternoon. The high today around 50. Clear tonight, the low 35. Tomorrow, partially sunny and warmer. The high 59. Friday, cloudy and windy with rain and thunderstorms. Storms on Friday could be severe. The high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, you know more. You're just Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Wyatt Fulton is our producer today. Our guest is Wes Neighbors, and we'll get back to football in just a second, Wes, but always want our uh, listeners to be able to catch up with what Wes is doing. First of all, I think you're leading your class out of the University of Alabama in grandchildren. Um, I think one of, one, of your, one of your sons is... Uh, I think I got this right, doing really well in the coaching world. And then you got your own show in Huntsville. Tell everybody about that. Okay, so uh, real quick about my kids. Uh, um, Wesley's the um, safeties coach at Ole Miss, and Connor is uh, the two that are coaching, are, uh, is the head strength coach at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, all of them, uh, all my children, are, are uh, um, we're most proud. Of None of them are in jail yet. <laughs> and the uh, and the and the grandkids are wonderful, and I hope they keep them coming. I have nine, 
um, right now, and and uh, and I hope they keep they keep coming. That's for sure. Um, you know, so my show's on from five to seven. It's uh, the drive on uh, ninety-seven point seven Huntsville. Uh, we do have an app that you can follow us, uh, um, but I don't have all the info on that. <laughs> that's for that's for Molton to do. Anyway, okay. and then uh, you know, I still I still do the financial. Uh, I work for um, PAG Group and uh, um, through LPL Financial and Neighbors Wealth Management, and we've been doing that for thirty-six years. So, uh, and then what my dad did before me. So. Uh, my brother and I have uh, I've been in Huntsville the whole time and and really enjoy watching the city grow. How about the Panthers basketball team, huh? Unbelievable, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Those, yeah. uh, those guys, <laughs> I went to see him play. The coach invited me to come, and I went, and, and, and it's just watching Huntsville basketball is unbelievable. Watched uh, Buckhorn. Uh, they have the – they won the 6A last year, and – and uh, that was a great, it was ahead the whole game, and Huntsville came back in the fourth quarter, and, and uh, yeah, it's just it's unbelievable how good they are. Wes, um, Kevin fun to Steel- watch. Yeah. Wes, Kevin Steele retired. Uh, do you expect that Traverius Robinson will replace him as defensive coordinator, or or uh, what? Uh, where do you think Nick Saban's going to go? And and I actually believe if there is a meeting tonight. I think it's probably to tell his team who the new defensive coordinator is, not that he's going to retire. That's a big if. I don't, I don't have any information on that. This is my gut feeling. But anyway, uh, Traverius Robinson, do you think he would be a, a good fit for the next I, DC? So T. Rob, uh, yeah, I think that they, they leaned on T. Rob a lot this year. I think he was making a lot of the defensive calls uh, during the game, and uh, as Lane reported early. Um, uh, in the year, and yeah, I, I think he's well capable. Whether that's who Coach Saban hires, I'm not sure. You know, there's a lot of guys in that in that room. Uh, Charlie Strong, Strong. There are a lot of guys to to draw from. So I don't know um, if they've even decided his defensive coordinator is going to be. Yet. A lot of times they won't decide that till after the second signing day, which is what February first week in February. So we might not know anything about that for three or four weeks and it could be announced today i don't know uh i don't know if there's a you know i i heard all this what y'all are hearing uh today yesterday so i don't know if if that's the case or not um i'd be shocked though that if it was wes you, you mentioned I mean, that uh oh, go ahead wes. go ahead if you got more please uh, no no i just i just think that that uh if Coach Saban had health problems, or he's running better than he did two or three years ago after his hip surgery, he just looks like he's having the time of his life. And everybody said, "Well, he can go on." T-. He doesn't want to go on TV. He doesn't really like the press. I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's done. Miss Saban's been coaching him the last two years, and he's gotten better. But I don't. I, I'd be. You know, he's doing so well with their dealerships. Um, you know, he has grandchildren now. Uh, I, I I just think that that he's he'll be miserable if he quits coaching. Free hummers for everybody. How about that? Wow. <laughs> he's, uh, I read that his two dealerships in South Florida were worth like six hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah, That's... he he's he's making more. I was told that I, that he's making more money off his dealerships than he is coaching. Wow! Be a surprise. So there's really no reason and. 
Yeah. Selling Lamborghinis in Jupiter probably has a great future. All right, before we let you go, talk, talk Seth right. McLaughlin. You said you were sad that he was going to go ahead and enter the transfer portal. In fact, he's already gone. But yeah, the, he's going to be a high state position. center next year. Yeah, and then the future. Yeah, I don't think position. I don't. I don't know who's going to play. I have no idea. They haven't played in a practice yet. That's the scary thing. I don't think. Um, I don't know who's on the still on the roster. You know, the '69 was the backup guy. Seth is, you know, he did, you know, he, I'm not trying to make excuses for him. He didn't have a good game in a couple games this year. There's no doubt. We had too many penalties on the offensive line and too many penalties on the center. I mean, but he'd been a six-year guy next year. Washington had five six-year guys. That's why they made it as far as they did. Um, and there were a lot of them were offensive linemen. Offensive linemen get better every year until they get too broke up. They can't play anymore. That's basically what happens. They continue to get better. It's a craft. Being an offensive line lineman is a craft. Every year you get better. You see more and more things. You know what to do more and more things. You learn new tricks. Uh, it, it is something that not why, why many, that's why not many freshmen play. And if they do play, they're going to be at left tackle or right tackle, mostly right tackle, because you always uh, have a little help at, at right tackle usually because there's a tight end there because it's easy to learn because it's really not very hard because um, um, you're going to block the guy across from you 95% of the time. We're guard, center, and you got different, more, more different techniques. In the NFL, center's the easiest position because you always have help. In college, it's the hardest position because they leave you a lot of times on an island. And so it's, um, it's harder, in my opinion, to play center in college if they really start doing um, different things. Um, and you have to be more of an athlete in college. In, in the NFL, you always have help. They just slide block. They don't do any other protections but slide block normally, except on a couple of a few exceptions, which meaning there's no gaps for the for the inside guys to get through because you always have help. So, uh, And most of the time you're uncovered in the NFL because they're going to play even front and so you, you, you're just helping out anyway. Uh, I thought that he would have gotten better in the offseason because certain teams were doing certain things against him to try to force the bad snap. You know, once they get a tail on you, they're going to keep uh, the good teams. And I thought Michigan was the best coach team we played all year. Because yeah. I thought we should have won the game by, t by 10 points. But their coaching, the things they did. And listen, uh, when we didn't cover the back out of the backfield, they just kept running it. Right on fourth and two, that was the same play they ran on the goal line, just the other way. Wow. So Wes, uh, it, you it's, always, yeah, you always bring your you always bring your best game. We appreciate it very much, and uh, much continued success with your family and your show up in Huntsville. Thank you, Wes. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. Thanks, Wes. Great stuff. It's really good stuff towards the end there on centers, the position. Good. Got an Aaron Rodgers update. Aaron yeah. Rodgers update. Interesting Aaron story. Aaron Rodgers. Peyote.
Oh, now somebody's going to sue me. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Back in just a moment. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. After the reported blow-up between Giants head coach Brian Tabal and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, NFL media reports today that the Giants have not begun a search for a new defensive coordinator, and they do not plan to. They want Martindale to be their D.C. moving forward. The Browns have designated safety Grant Delpit to return from injured reserve, a chance he could play in the playoff opener on Saturday. In the NBA, the Heat reportedly signed coach Eric Spolstra to a record extension, eight years, $120 million. It's the most committed money in North American coaching history. On the court, the Lakers edged the Raptors 132-131 to behind a 41.11 rebound double-double from Anthony Davis. And in college basketball, both number one and Number two went down last night. Top-ranked Purdue fell at Nebraska. Number two, Houston, suffered their first loss at Iowa State. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. As you heard your Fox Sports update at the top of the hour, and Lars told us first hour, that uh, Purdue, number one, went to Nebraska and lost handily. And then Houston also lost at another rather random site. Houston lost at Iowa State. So number one and number two go down. I used to give Purdue kind of the edge, thinking a little bit about Arizona as being a literal number one team in college basketball. But I think it's all over the place now, Lars, and and quite frankly, I love it. Another basketball update, and on to Aaron Rodgers. Alabama clocked South Carolina 74-47. to The Tide held the Gamecocks to 18 second-half points. Now, that's the defense Nate Oates has been looking for. And also, Auburn improves to 2-0 and as well with the Tide, defeating Texas A&M at Neville Arena by a score of 66-55. Our uh, schools are off to a good start. UAB's also 2-0 and in American Conference play. This information about Aaron Rodgers comes from uh, my good friend Richard Deitch, who now writes for The Athletic. Richard and I grew up together professionally at Sports Illustrated. Our uh, offices were literally right next to each other for over a decade. And Richard is just the, the best of the best when it comes to reporting on media. He's fascinated with sports media. And uh, he is sort of the gold standard when it comes to covering sports media. And he has a, a, a piece up that came out about an hour ago on The Athletic um, stating that Aaron Rodgers will no longer appear on the Pat McAfee show. Um, and uh, if you've been following Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Jets quarterback, uh he has come under scrutiny uh, since making comments last week regarding uh, uh, late-night host Jimmy Kimmel. It was Rogers who suggested that Kimmel's name would appear on documents linking him to uh, Jeffrey Epstein, 
the convicted sex offender who is a, uh, a well-known figure, especially in Hollywood. And then uh, after Aaron made those comments, which seemed to be just like out of left field, uh, although he and Jimmy Kimmel have a little bit of a running feud going, uh, after he made those comments, Kimmel threatened to sued to, to sue not just Rogers but ESPN. And Jimmy Kimmel called Rogers' words quote dumb and factually inaccurate. And then Rogers on on Tuesday uh, backtracked and saying, uh, "Hey, I, I never accused Jimmy Kimmel of being a, a, a pedophile, but certainly that was the implication, right?" And then on Wednesday, uh, Pat McAfee uh, said that, quote, he would would love to move on from this situation. And um, and then uh, Rogers said some more crazy stuff uh, on on uh, on Jimmy's or excuse me, on McAfee's show uh, yesterday. Uh, last night, again on Wednesday, and I think, uh, according to Richard's reporting, that um, Pat McAfee has the uh, authority and the autonomy to say who he wants as a guest and who he doesn't want as a guest, and he basically just fired Aaron Rodgers. He is done with Aaron Rodgers. And I, I got to say, like Aaron Rodgers, he has not acquitted himself very well. I mean, he was just complaining yesterday about cancel culture and mainstream media. Well, guess what? Who is he on the platform of? He was on the platform of a mainstream media sports network. <laughs> I mean, Which him complaining sure makes him a little bit of money. Oh, my, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, he's. He, I think. Uh, I think. I think uh, he was being paid like a million dollars a year or something to appear on this. And that, again, that just shows you McAfee doesn't need the money, doesn't need Aaron Rodgers, doesn't need all the headaches that Aaron Rodgers sort of uh, has has brought to the show. And I just. You know, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the most likable figure to begin with. And I've talked about this many times on air. You know, I I had considered for a long time to have my next book be on Aaron Rodgers. And I know Aaron wouldn't have uh, cooperated and all that. But frankly, I didn't want to spend time in someone's head about 18 months of somebody who I don't necessarily admire you know, I, I just I don't understand Aaron Rodgers. I don't think a lot of people understand Aaron Rodgers. He does things that just seem just just no, so the other out. Day, Lars, he was he wanted to make the Super Bowl trophy the color of the Jets green. You, you wonder if uh, this guy has kind of lost his boundaries now. And you you said something that's as as factual as it gets. He's not a very likable guy. I'm a Packers fan. I don't like him. But, uh, I'm sure as heck glad that he's in New York spouting off like this and not still with Green Bay. But you know what else I'll say? And we got to call her on hold. We can continue this discussion with Tommy or whomever. I'm not a big Kimmel fan either. So there you have it. Maybe they should have a cage match. Or <laughs> did you referee? 
Uh, I would like to see them have a battle of wits. I'll take Jimmy Kimmel any day of the week. <laughs> Depends on what day it is for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's go to uh, Robbie. He has dialed 205-342-9904. Hey, Robbie. Hey, bud. What's going on, fellas? We're just hanging out, hey, man. my friend. How you doing? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, good game last night with basketball. I was glad to see it. They got after it. Uh, started out kind of slow. I, I don't know. I know, uh, Matt, you were, I think, catching the Mountain Brook game and yep. seeing how Sarah played. Uh, past Nick, but... Uh, they had a lot of turnovers again, but they got that corrected. I don't think they had but one or two in the second half. But they had like 15 in the first half. It was it was ugly to start, but... Can, so, uh, hey, yeah, so we're talking to Robbie yep. Glenn, former Alabama baseball player who uh, co-hosts with us uh, often. Robbie, uh, you and I have been texting. Uh, what are you hearing about these Nick Saban rumors and uh, the uh, the supposed mandatory meeting this evening? I don't. I don't think it's anything like some like y'all were saying. I mean, that he's not going to call a mandatory meeting and get attorneys for him retiring. I mean, that wouldn't mean anything. It, it has. It was. I think it was a meeting yesterday they were supposed to have, and it didn't happen. And they're calling for it, but it's probably like you said. It could be getting a defensive coordinator. Could be getting some new hires or just going over bonuses. I don't know if that's come out yet. You know, they do it at the end of the year. Coaches get raises, bonuses. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's an emergency. Like, but who knows? I, the person I talk to doesn't seem too uh, worried about it. So, I think they'll be fine. I don't think it's anything to worry about with saving retiring or anything. That that's the furthest thing I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. I just, uh, it, 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 it's just funny. It's just, uh, you know, Robbie, you're just like me, I'm sure. You're just getting all these texts from people who are just, you know, kind of saying some wild stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I really think it's nothing. I really think it's nothing. Uh, if it was something, Chris Lowe would be reporting it from ESPN. Trust me, Chris yeah. Lowe would be... Chris Lowe would be all over this. Um, what did you think of uh, Alabama basketball last night and their perform their performance in their uh, uh, decisive win over South Carolina? Well, like I said, you know, when I was talked yesterday, I was like, I'm always worried about if our shots aren't falling, can we get the points in the paint against a bigger team? Not taller. I mean, our guys are tall, can run, but we just don't have the meat. You know, we don't have those thick guys in there. Sometimes we get bullied around in there. Um and they did, but uh, still, our, our our guards led the team in rebounding, which is kind of scary. But Pringle, I thought, did awesome. He got in there, mixed it up. He stayed out of foul trouble, and he he was uh he frustrated their big guys. Um, and I still, we didn't play a great game. Uh, they frustrated, they slowed it down, and we still pulled away. And what, like you said, only gave up like 18 points in the second half. We just we were all over them. Uh, and, I, you know, with Nelson, he had a, he had an off night again, and we still ran away. So imagine when he picks it back up and starts scoring. He was he had zero points. And I don't think he only had, like, two rebounds. I don't know what was going on. He just wasn't engaged in the game. I don't know if he had a bigger guy guarding him and kept frustrating him or what. But now they go to State Saturday, which is a tough place to play. So um, hopefully they can keep it rolling. I like the way they're playing, and you can't say enough about Sears. I mean, 31 points. He looked like that. That rim must have been huge last night. He was everything went up. He was he was putting it in. Well, right now he's 
he's paving the way to be the SEC MVP. But that is 16 games away. Um, we can't. Oh yeah, that's a lot of. <laughs> There's a lot of basketball to be held. I will say this uh, about Grant Nelson. Um, there's a big, big difference, you know, mileage-wise and inside play-wise between where he was. Was he at Montana State? Well, I, don't, I don't know what conference yep. they're in. They're in the mountain. I don't know. They're um, obviously in a much smaller league. And then you get to the SEC, it's a big difference. But I also oh, think that he has the skill set to adjust. Oh, definitely. He does, and I, I think that's what it is when he played in that league. Basketball is basketball, but when you're getting challenged every game the way he is now, you don't have those off nights where you can just, oh, I can coast and still get 30. He's got to bring it every game because he's, go, he's going against top teams now every game. So I think that's where he's having trouble adjusting, And but he'll figure it out. He's, he's, a, he's a talent. So he'll get hot again, and he'll, they'll need him right at the right time. Pitchers and catchers are reporting here in just a few weeks. I love that. And I want to get on, get you on. Talk, let's talk some baseball soon. Some Alabama baseball team. Yep. Thanks, Robbie. Sounds good. All right, guys. Bye. Roll tight. All right. Indeed. All right. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. When we come back, we've uh, we got Steve Irvine. We'll talk some basketball with him right here on Big Noon Sports with Matt and Wyatt and Mark. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today around 50. Clear tonight, the low 35. Tomorrow, partially sunny and warmer, the high 59. Friday, cloudy and windy with rain and thunderstorms. Storms on Friday. Friday could be severe, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is Big Noon Sports. Matt, Lars, Wyatt, our guest is Steve Irvine. Wyatt just sent us uh, on our text thread here. Pete Carroll out as head coach in Seattle could remain with organization, but won't be the head coach. Steve, I hate to just line you up and throw you high and inside the minute we get out of the box, but I was a little <laughs> surprised by that. Had you heard that yet? No, that's the first I've heard of it, to be honest with you. I, that is a little surprising. I don't know that it should be surprising. I, I, I do think it's got a little stale there, uh, you know, but um, he's had a lot of success. There. I, yeah, that's... Um, no, that's 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 news to me for sure. And well, a day you know, ago, it, there was an ESPN report that says Pete Carroll plans to return Seahawks for fifteenth season. Lars, 
Yeah, no, at, at age 72, he is uh, the NFL's oldest head coach, and he has been the NFL's oldest head coach for several years. He did sign an extension in 2020 that runs through the 2025 season, and um, I, I think it is possible that he will stick with the organization in some capacity, but I think Seattle is just uh, looking for a reboot right um get a younger head coach and perhaps uh, draft your quarterback of the future and have a, have a, a coach and a quarterback tied together right a young quarterback that seems to be like the winning formula in the NFL right now is 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 yeah. uh, have have your team uh, be really bad for one year or a couple years especially one year get a high pick get a new coach who's offensive-minded, and he and that new quarterback you draft in the first round will be tethered at the hip. So, uh, Steve, this isn't all that surprising to me. Uh, you've spent a lot of time, lived on the West Coast. How did you ever, how did, how did you view Seattle as a, as a franchise, just sort of as it has been run over all these years? Well, I mean, I, I think obviously when he came in, you know, um, you know, I think it's it's a very highly thought of the way they ran it. You know, the one thing is, and I think what you just hit on was, was you know, an offensive-minded head coach. I think that's what we're looking at here. I mean, you know, obviously they won a lot of championships with uh, with really with their defense. I mean, obviously they, you know, they, hey, Russell Wilson was, was tremendous when he was there and, and, and Marshawn Lynch and so well, that's some guys. I'm not saying it was just defense, but, but you know, it was that's really kind of that. how he built Legion it. of Boom. Legion of Boom is yeah. that, that was their I, calling card. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you think of. That's how they won games, you know. And and so I think that, you know, uh I think the key is that um that, that, that they do need I think this day and age, you know, maybe maybe that's what you need to look for, you know, a guy with well, at least there but offensive minded, but but no, it, it was always a, a, a a franchise that you know got a lot of respect on the West Coast, but because of the way they ran things, uh, you know, once he got there, I mean, there were some times before that they had a couple of years were okay, but you know, weren't you know they were just kind of an afterthought until he got there, and you know, he built it into you know what they are, and um, and I agree, I do think they'll find a way, or he'll find a way to stay there. Uh, and the crazy thing is, you would never guess that guy's seventy two years old. <laughs> you just you would yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same, you know. I mean, if you line up the coaches, all the NFL coaches, it's okay, you know, line them up from oldest to youngest. You know, I, I mean, I have to look at them see if anybody looks older, but but certainly the way that with their energy and stuff, he would not be the one that you would think is the oldest. There's so many guys that are so young, too, but that's a topic for a different story. Um, just as long as one more question on the NFL, since you're, you're so good at being able to just cover all topics, um, who do you like right now as we head into the playoffs? Boy, I mean, you got like Baltimore. I mean, I, you know, I think they've got the, you know, they've got the best quarterback in the NFL right now, the way he's playing. You know, I, I, I don't know, you know, if, if, you know, how you would say, I don't know how to, you know, everybody's got their own opinion on that, but, you know, I think it starts with their, you know, I like the way they're playing defense. Uh, you know, I just think they've got um, right now. You you have to like the way they're playing. I mean, I I do. You know, uh, going from there, I think it's just a it's kind of who gets hot. You know, I mean, I I think uh, you know there was a time this year that 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 I would have said, hey, Miami's as good as anybody, and you know, and 
you know, they get hot, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they have a chance. You know, Buffalo is done, you know, and then, and then they find a way in. And, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's a, it's, you know, to me, I, in, in my opinion, I think that, that right now, Baltimore is is who I would look at, uh, but you know, other than that, it's kind of a crash. You never know what you know what Dallas you're going to get. I mean, you know, Dallas has been tremendous most of the year, and but now we're in the playoffs, and and they find a way in the playoffs to not be tremendous. You know, at least recently. So, um, well, for a long time. So I don't know. I, I I do. I enjoy the fact that you look at it and go, and you probably have, you know, five different people might have five different opinions, and I think that's great. Yeah, it certainly seems like there's more parity than ever in the NFL, and that's how the league is structured, you know, just through uh, how the draft works, how the salary cap works, and uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that, gosh, I read this stat, like of the 50 most watched sporting, or 50 most watched television programs last year, Something like 48 were NFL games. I mean, it's just crazy yeah. how the NFL absolutely dominates uh, our, our culture when it comes not just to sports, but just uh, American culture. Um, just sticking with the NFL for one more second. Uh, you, you mentioned the Ravens. Who do you like in the NFC? Uh, and, and, and it's so fun because, uh, you know, when Matt and I talk about the NFL, as we do often, it's just on every team, there's such a huge Alabama connection. And the team that I'm just most intrigued with in the NFC is is one that has a bunch of Alabama guys, and that's Philadelphia. You know, what is going on with this team, and can they put together a run? Because at the beginning of the season, everybody was thinking, oh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. But, but Jalen Hurts has, uh, has been struggling lately. I don't know if it's because of injury or other factors, but just your thoughts on the NFC. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty wide open. I, I like San Francisco a lot. You know, obviously, I think that, you know, you'd have to, you know, you, I, I almost want to start there, uh, you know, but, but, you know, in, in a quarterback-driven world, I mean, Brock Purdy's been great, but but you know, I don't know that he's a you know, I don't know. I just I just sort of have a, little, a few doubts about him at times. But but I think it's it's pretty. I, I'm really intrigued to see how the Lions play. Uh, you know, I, I love Dan Campbell. I think that he's tremendous, and and I think they've got a very staff has played well, and they've got a very good team. But but you know, this is a situation I hadn't been in. So so you know, we'll see there. And I think that's the one thing about you know going to your, your Philadelphia point. I think that's the one thing that you have to wonder. They have been there, and they they know how to win this thing, and they know how to you know get through through this thing. So we'll see if they can turn around. I I don't know. I mean, I've watched them, and I don't know what's going on there. I I, I do think that there's there's some. I, I, Jalen Hurts has to be banged up, you know, in, in some way. I mean, he has to. Uh, just the way the way he's, he's playing and. There just there's just, just seems to be a disconnect in in some way, and I'm not sure. I mean. You have to sort of be in there to, to sort of understand why, but I don't know, just a, a little bit of disconnect. And, but, again, I mean, this is a different time of year, and, and, and you know, they, they know what it takes. And so we'll see if they, you know, you'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Steve Irvine as a guest. Steve, can you hang around just for a few more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. All right, because there was a Steve Irvine sighting as I was sitting in my den last night.
thought it was kind of cool. All right, we'll be back with that information and more on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Cover. SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Magic City Impact is the website that uh, you can dial up and get more information on what and read what Steve Irvine's been doing lately. But it uh, has great influence and uh, is helping out the collective cause at UAB. He is our guest on Big Noon Sports. Steve, last night. I uh, went and uh, watched the uh, Mountain Brook basketball men's team play. I don't know if you've seen Ty Davis play or not, but that's Tyler Davis's. He's the head coach. It's his son. Signed with Creighton. Un- unbelievable kid. The- he can literally cross court and-, and pop it up. But that I guess that was my plug to go see this kid play. But first, uh, I wanted to make the point that I got home just in time to watch a little bit of the Auburn A&M game. And they were doing a little pan of the scoring table, and there was Steve Irvine, all the way from Priceville to Auburn. I, I'm wasn't assuming me. that was you. It wasn't it you. Wasn't me, it wasn't me. Poor guy. Whoever it was, I feel sorry for Steve, him. He looks like me. but <laughs> You have a doppelganger. I swear oh, it was you. Oh, poor guy. Poor guy. You were not at the Auburn game last <laughs> night. No, no. I, no, I would love to have been there. Now, don't get me wrong, but uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't me. Oh, boy, I feel bad for that guy, whoever it was. I'll have to go back and watch that and, and see. Oh, man, I have swore it was you. No, no, and it, and it, it was kind of your... No, man, that's... Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for him. Sorry for you. Sorry for me for bringing it up. Whatever the case may be. But, uh, Steve, give us an update on uh, UAB basketball. Well, they're playing well. They really are. They, they're one six in a row. Uh, you know, they've got to go uh, Sunday and, and play uh, play at FAU. Which is, um, you know, really is, is, you know, really a tough assignment. But you know, right now they're playing so well. I mean, you know, we uh, Matt and I talked to the game that night about Yashalin the board just on how well he's playing. I mean, he has three straight games of 23 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, you know, in one of those games he added seven blocks, and another of those games he had six assists. So this is a guy that's really special, and he's playing well. But I mean, I think as a team, they're they're just playing well. I think. You know, Eric Gaines is a, uh, you know, a dynamic guy who sometimes is a little too dynamic for his own good. And I think he's playing within himself. I mean, I think he has, I think he's averaging two turnovers a game over the past eight or so, which is good for him. I mean, that's, that's good. That's really solid for a guy who has a, 
basketball in his hands as much as he does. And they're just uh, they're playing well. I think they've got it figured out. They've got the rotation down, and uh, and and you know, and they're riding the you know they're riding the play of, of, of Yaks on the on you know to sort of lead them, and and then they're following in. Where did Yaks come from? I know you and I had this deep conversation. I'm going to get Andy on. I'm going to get Yaks on the show because his his story is fascinating. Briefly go through that. But also, uh, I went to games in December, and I don't remember him being there. Is it just because I was not paying attention, or did he receive, like, late eligibility status? No, he was there. He just didn't really give me any reason to notice him early on. He, you know, Yaks is a funny kid. He's his, um, you know, he, he's a kid who only played 11 high school games in his high, entire high school. He was he was ineligible for pretty much his whole high school career, and just didn't, uh, you know, he's a real he's a smart kid. I think he just didn't, you know, didn't really care and, at the time, and and played 11 games, and, and they they found him. Uh, the, he um, he thought, you know, he played those 11 games. He thought, okay, basketball's done, and he actually went to a outdoor tryout for Dominican players. There was a guy in New York City. He was from he's from New Jersey, New York City, New Jersey area, and a guy just held a little thing for, for mainly for JUCO coaches to come in and watch. And, and they didn't have a gym, so they did it out on the playground. And he, he apparently killed it in that. And uh, uh, Arizona Western coaches were there, and in Yuma, Arizona, and they they um, they offered him a scholarship to there. And so he spent three years there. Didn't want to go. Said he was crying on the plane the whole time because he didn't want to leave. But uh, his, his parents kind of made him go, and you know. And so he's really a guy. He's kind of a novice to the game, really. You know. But the weird thing is, being a novice to the game, his both of his parents are basketball players who played play. One of his parents is from the Dominican, that's from Puerto Rican, is from Puerto Rico, and they both played on their national team at, at one point, a national basketball team at one point. So he's a basketball family but he just he grew up wanting to play baseball because that was his grandfather's love and never really played much basketball until till that and um man now he's and and that's why i think you you know but but his confidence early in the year he had no confidence it was almost like he didn't feel like he belonged there and now as he's gone on he realizes he definitely belongs there and he's he's a star and and so he's a different guy than when you saw him early in the year no doubt What's the ceiling for this UAB team? Uh, are, is are they a possible uh, NCAA tournament squad? I, mean, I think they're possible if they keep playing this way. But the problem is, you know, I don't I don't see them beating Memphis in the tournament. And uh, you know, well, you know, you got Memphis and, AA, and FAU right now are obviously the, you know, the the cream of the crop of that of that conference. And I'm not sure that, uh, you know, if they keep winning and they keep playing well. I mean, I know FAU's dropped some games, but they're still really good. And, and so I'm not sure that, that this is a three-bid league right now. But if, if UAB can find a way to, you know, beat Memphis at least once, beat, beat FAU at least once, and, and, and wins out, and, you know, gets to the semis of the tournament at the, at the worst, then, you know, possibly, you know, possibly because they're going to have a, a good enough record. They, and they, you know, they drop some games there that, is going to hurt them, and so we'll see if it's a three three bid tournament, if if uh, a three bid league, if if they get to that point. But you know they got a lot of work to get to that to that point. But I I really think right now, if they keep progressing as a team, then it certainly are a possible NCAA tournament team. 
Have you had a chance to watch much Alabama? Well, I thought you were at the Auburn game last night. Yeah. But both of these two teams have bolted out of the gate 2-0 and in league play. And um, I think they've managed to win one on the road and one at home, too. And that's you, Anytime you win on the road in the SEC is a big thing. Yeah, and boy, and how good is Mark Sears right now? My goodness, I mean, he's he's I mean, leading the conference and scoring. You know that 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 uh, game the other night, you know, second half, and really all the way through. Man, he's he's really he's really really playing well. And you know, and, you know, the thing is, he's got you know, he's got the basketball in his hands so much. He doesn't really turn the ball over a whole lot. A couple turnovers a game. Uh, you know, it's certainly is a streaky type of shooter that we can. You know, he's had. He had six the other night against South Carolina. I think he had eight. I believe it was eight against Purdue. And, uh, you know, he's kind of carrying them right now. You know, I, I think that um, I like the, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I necessarily like the way they're playing. I think they're playing better. You know, and I, and I said this before, and I really think that you're starting to see this a little bit. I think those three games that they played against Purdue and, and Gonzaga and Creighton, I think those have really paid off. They've won four straight since then, you know, and, you know, obviously I don't think they played great against Vandy, but they won at Vandy. And, and, uh, but since that time, you know, I think that's really helped them. I think that scheduling helped. I didn't help your overall record, but, um, you know, and they, and you would have liked to won one of those three, but they didn't. And, and, but I, you know, I, I like the way they're playing. I think they need a little more consistency from Grant Nelson, I think is, um, but, you know, I like Estrada and, uh, we'll see. And Auburn, boy, they, you know, they're, they're, they're playing well. I mean, they, they, you know, and, and you get them, you got to go to their home court. That's, that's, that's as tough, that's as tough as anything. And, you know, Alabama coming up, you know, has Tennessee and Auburn back to back. And of course, you got to get rid of Mississippi State's played well. And that's what, you know, that's what Alabama's got next. So they just got to keep going, just keep going and keep riding Mark Sears. You, you know, you, you mentioned Auburn and, how successful they have consistently been since Bruce Pearl took over the program. Then uh, you go about 150 miles away and how successful Nate Oates has been uh, being the number one overall seed heading into the NCAA tournament last year. And really, this is a question for both Steve and Matt. Has there been a time in sort of the state's history where you have Alabama and Auburn playing this well, not just for one year. I mean, I get it. I know that that's happened before, but the uh, I think we can now label it sustained success of both programs. And is that just a reflection of the fact that they have each have an elite coach uh, guiding them? And I'll start with you, Steve. I, I don't recall a time that you both teams have had been on this type of role, uh, you know, together, uh, you know, over, like you said, I mean, there's been years obviously, but, uh, and, and I do think it comes from, from the, uh, from the head coaches. I think also, you know, I think a lot of Auburn's success is, is, is building that building in the right way. You know, when they, when they, when they decided that, you know, build a new arena and, or, you know, change the arena, you know, building it smaller and kind of setting it up as a, you know, it's almost like a destination spot, you know, to, for for people to go to, and and I think that's been a big part in their in in their success, you know. But but ultimately, I think it comes down to having the right guys at the at the top, and and both of them are are such good recruiters, you know, because that's that's what it comes down to. 
you got to have players, you know, and, and, and they both have done a tremendous job and will continue to do a tremendous job of bringing guys in there. So this, this thing's not going to end. I mean, they're, they're, they're here for a while and until, you know, unless something crazy happens, but this is, I think we're going to keep riding this. Well, I think you throw Andy Kennedy into the mix here too. And all these teams are playing very, very well, but fortunately I was around in the eighties and when there was Wimp Sanderson and Sonny Smith, and Gene Bartow, and these teams were winning their own leagues or finishing at the top, and they were all going to the NCAA tournament. It was truly the best time for basketball in the state at the college level. Um, now we've got coaches back that are similar in their abilities to recruit and coach. I think that uh, it's going to flourish for several years. Um, Steve, I'll let you go, but I'm going to tease our next segment. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, sometimes Alabama and Auburn UAB struggle on the college basketball floor. But I want to thank you for your time. I'll see you at Auburn. <laughs> uh, okay, that sounds good. I, I'll find like, that guy. I'll find that guy <laughs> for you, okay? All right. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Steve Irvine from MagicCityImpact.com. We'll be back in a minute. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join us tomorrow for a recruiting edition of the Martin Houston Show. We'll also continue the conversation as we evaluate this 2023, moving into the 2024 Alabama football team. We'll look at some KPIs. We'll also have some true-false We'll have those conversations and more. And most of all, we want to invite you to get in on the conversation at 205-342-9904, the album on hotline, or post your thoughts, comments, questions, and ideas into the chat. We'll be looking for you tomorrow on the Martin Houston Show, powered by Max Sports on Tide 100.9 and 1230 AM WTBC. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today around 50. Clear tonight, the low 35. Tomorrow, partially sunny and warmer, the high 59. Friday, cloudy and windy with rain and thunderstorms. Storms on Friday could be severe, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Matt, Lars, Wyatt, we wrap up this Wednesday edition. What I was going to add to talking about Alabama, Auburn, and UAB basketball back in the 80s was just fabulous. I always joked that uh, these three coaches really extended our budgets at TV, radio, and newspapers because they all made tournaments and they all went deep into the tournaments. And, you know, you're trying to cover three teams at the same time. One's in California, one's in New Jersey, and the other one's in Tampa. Um, But, man, was it fun. I think one of the things that uh, we have seen fall, and I hate to say this because of the players that are out there now, but, Lawrence, and you weren't here. In fact, you were probably 10, 11 years old. There was a time when Birmingham High School basketball was iconic. You had Reggie King. You had Alan Murphy. Um, you had Chris Giles. You had uh, Buck Johnson. Um, 
good grief. Uh, and Ennis Watley, good. It, it was just amazing. And you could just pick a high school game whatever night of the week and go watch it. You were going to see a potential college star. And Alabama doesn't – Birmingham doesn't have that anymore. Remember Andrew Tony in the NBA? Oh, I loved him. Number 22 could just uh, stroke it from three. Yep, He'd get across the court and launch it and make yeah. it. Um, but he's a Birmingham guy. I and for whatever reason, um, it just has fallen off in the last 40, 50 years. But uh, it used to be so fertile as a recruiting ground. And I miss that. And I have a lot of respect for the guys that are coaching now. But um, you are talking about covering Wimp, Sonny, and Gene Bartow. Just think about that for a minute, Lars. Just the difference in their personalities. Yeah, yeah. Wimp was a grouch. Sonny was funny. And Gene was X's and O's and all about business. So it was a fun time. I miss it greatly. Yeah. And... Um... You know, that's why I didn't want to get ahead of myself and, and say, hey, this is sort of the, the golden era here of, uh, of, of college basketball in the state of Alabama because I'm, I'm aware uh, of, uh, of, you know, the, the, the time that you covered and, and how dynamic the coaches uh, were then. But I, I think the future is really bright for both Auburn and Alabama in, in hoops and, and also UAB. And so uh, it's going to be fun uh, to watch moving forward. Um, Matt, if, if you don't have anything. Let me, yep. let me yeah. interrupt you real quick. Pat held on through the Steve Irvine interview, and he's on hold. And I want to put yeah. him on as we wrap up the Absolutely. show. If nothing else, Pat stands for patience. Pat, how are you? <laughs> Man, yeah, man, I appreciate you taking my call. But uh, I disagree. Last caller, uh, a little bit about, uh, yeah, yeah, we need an upgraded arena. We need something, a little something done. Uh, everybody says they want to build a ten thousand seat arena. Is that not right? Where, where, where's the number out of that seating capacity of that new arena? Isn't it somewhere around ten four, ten five? The one at uh, Auburn? Yeah, it's right at... Yeah. No, 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 yeah. the, one, the one they want to build at Alabama. Now I, that, I think I'm not they, sure. I think they do want to scale it back a little bit because that is the new trend all throughout uh, college sports and professional sports. I understand. And, that, and that's why we shouldn't be playing any of our uh, NCAA football national titles in Mickey Mouse 70-seat stadiums. 70,000 seat stadiums. It's ridiculous. It makes it to where the, uh, when, they're, when they're giving 1,500 tickets to students on both sides, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's pitiful. And that, uh, I can remember when I sent my boys out to California in 09 for the championship, 18, oh, let's see, 1,200 undergrads got tickets and 800 grads got tickets. 2,000 students was it. And that's not right. We got 40,000 students. What about like uh, Ohio State, 60,000, 670,000? Yeah. Hey, oh, and then hey, right down in uh, uh, Central Florida, down there, hey, 60,000 students. And you go into school, you shouldn't you have a right to buy a ticket under $500? You know? I mean, and it's the same thing with what it's going to make basketball be uh, at Alabama. Bad or. Uh, I'm retired now. 
hey, what do you have you say that fixed income deal? I like going to the basketball games and I'm uh, making a joke about the fixed income. I got plenty of money, but that ain't the problem. That's that. I'm, I do, but what about the people that don't? But however, last night, my row, I got seats, season tickets, uh, 16 rows up, nice seats. Well, there wasn't anybody on my row but me. That other, uh, now, uh, my, my, my other tickets that were going with me, uh, were all, uh, you know, down with, uh, COVID crap. That is, uh, she's a doctor. And then, uh, hey, at any time you're dealing with COVID day in and day out, hey, you shouldn't go to work, but you got COVID, you feel bad, you yucky, whatever, you know, and you don't need to go contaminate anybody else. But that's what it, we had, hey, that was the most fantastic second half of basketball I've ever seen, period, ever. That uh, what Nate Oates did on his adjustments at halftime. Now this team that we played beat Mississippi State. Yeah, who we're going to play next? That doesn't mean anything in basketball. What do you guys think? Wow, you have hit on a lot of numbers. First of all, Pat, if you got lots of money, I have one suggestion for you: advertise. Okay. Yeah. On okay, I'm, I'm just. Kind no, of that was a great call, there, Pat. Ah, uh, it was a great call. I don't understand. I understand why Auburn went to the smaller arena. Auburn is—it's a destination basketball. Okay, um, it's hard to get people to go to Auburn for a basketball game on a Tuesday night. Okay, weekends. Yeah, okay, yeah. But I, Alabama does not need a ten thousand seat arena. Alabama needs a fifteen thousand seat arena. Well, hey, look, look at look at Kentucky. Hey, Kentucky seats twenty something thousand. Yep. Hey, and eventually, if Nate keeps winning, we can seat fifteen thousand there. It's just, and and I don't understand, you know, what it is. I mean, it's got to be it's a lot of things. Hey, but well, just like last night. Hey, I went and got a plain hot dog and a bottle of Coca Cola, and it was uh, ten dollars and ninety eight cents. But uh, the student can't afford to eat that. Golly, you know, I, I think you got a you got a good price. Uh, I paid like sixteen for that the other day. So uh, well, 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 yeah, but that was at a that was at a uh, major stadium, though, was it not? Um, I, I didn't, and I didn't get a. I just that's a bottle of drink and a, and a plain and a plain hot dog was eleven dollars. You know, man, and well, but the average the average student can't do that. You know, and and therein lies part of part of our issue too. That uh, you know, uh, perhaps that uh, we start charging them because I I think the answer to our NIL issues and Ryan disagrees with me on the next show, but I want to charge students fifty dollars per game, including the Western Kentucky games, and they get a seat with their name on it, <laughs> or not with their name, you know what I mean? They get an assigned seat. They don't have to they go waiting long. Pat, but, you need to call anyway, this show I, I, more I hear often. Him calling. We'll, we'll call back at another time. We all got more time. Yeah, you need to. That's a good point. All right. Y'all have, y'all have a blessed one. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, awesome Pat. stuff. All right. Lars, uh, let's do it again in 22. We're let's out of do time. It. Wesley Financial.